Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast today, um, the Love Manifested podcast, of course. I hope you're all well and progressing forward in all your relationships, uh, being intentional about seeking spiritual guidance and getting a deeper understanding of what your relationship with God holds for you, and that you're learning to love yourself deeper and loving others along the way. How are you guys doing out there today? So I'm sitting here sipping some tea, and I started thinking about all the funny little phrases that our culture has coined playing on the word tea. (laughs) Um, You know, there's like, what's the tea, and spill the tea, and um, I thought, you know, I love tea, and all kinds of tea. I drink it daily, I like it hot or cold, but there's other teas that I also love, um, I love the tea truth. I seek it daily. And I do my best to live by it, uh, walk in it, share it, and even, you know, love it when it hurts. <laughs> um, I recognize that there is the truth of the story of my life and my different experiences. And I think people, you always hear people saying, live your truth. And I've heard people in the church and say, well, that's not biblical. And it just feels like some don't really get what the phrase can mean for some other people. You know, they're kind of like taking it into a a different context. I don't know, it just sounds so dismissive um, to my need to acknowledge the truth of my life, the experiences where I've been, and the things that I've shaped, um, you know, the things that have shaped me uh, in thought and attitude and perspective. And I also recognize and respect the honor as best I have the tools at any given time, God's truth. I I do respect and I recognize God's truth. And I use God's truth or his tea (laughs) as a transparent lens that I put over my life um, to help fill in the gaps and keep me on track, you know, to make things make sense. And sometimes they just don't make sense, but to make it from here to there and from my mess to what's blessed, you know to see the good over what has felt so awful at times. And um, I love the tea of time. A wise man used to tell me when I was very small, all the time, he would say, make time your friend. Make time your friend. I miss you, Daddy, so much. God, I miss you. Um, But what he was alluding to by telling me, make time your friend, was that if it's if time is not made to be your friend, you will inevitably make it your enemy. God, I cannot talk today. What's going on with me? Bear with me, y'all. But you'll make it your enemy. Like, don't fight time, right? There's a time for everything and everyone in your life, and that number does not always equal forever, truly. Um, Seasons, spaces, and places always involve time. We see many in a fight against time, (laughs) That they can never win, you guys. The cosmetic industry makes billions off fooling so many into thinking that they can, that they can win the race against time. You know, age beautifully, friends, because when I apply, again, the lens of God's tea, his truth, uh, over time, you know, he tells us that he operates outside of time. So apply that very principle, you know, to um, 
the creams and the powders and the needles and the surgeries, we somehow have um, thought that we have the power to reverse that which we did not create, which is time. And I see what beautiful masterpieces we are in God's eyes. So through his filter and through his lens, through his truth, I can see that. That our aging and maturing, it reflects truly the heart that has grown and developed and been seasoned with experiences. And they've been both painful and exhilarating. You know, our hair displays strands of wisdom and the lines that indulge our skin are illuminating our seat time here in this life, you know. So fighting it, we can't win. Um, We're all going to cross the finish line one day. And focusing too much energy in a fighting time, I think it costs us time with things that are really precious and really matter in our life. So I want to cross my finish line whenever it comes with this body and this mind thoroughly used, um, you know, with my hands bearing signs that I was tending to soils of hearts, even if it's just the hearts that are in close proximity to me. I want my skin showing signs of the various suns and waters and mountaintops and valleys I've encountered, um, you know, with my heart strong because I've allowed the hands of God to mold, fill, repair, replenish, coddle, and embody my heart with a love so big and powerful, it left not a single beat behind. I don't want to get in my finish line with more beats left in my heart. So that's my tea of time. So as I've been having my tea right now, I thought, can I share some tea with you guys today? Would that be all right? Let's call it tea time, okay? So right now I'm enjoying, let me share with you what I'm having. Um, I'm enjoying a very delicious cup of hot organic nettle tea. Have you guys ever had nettle leaf tea? It's so good. Or even, I know there's pills and stuff out there that you can get organic. Um, But um, so nettle tea, just to give you some background since we're going to have tea time. Nettle tea comes from a plant that's referred to often as a stinging nettle. Oof, I don't want to encounter that plant, but um, the leaves of the plant are really pretty and they're shaped like hearts and the flowers are yellow and pink. Um, The stem, though, is covered with little hairs that release this stinging chemical when you touch it. So, so don't touch it, but um, (laughs) when they crush the stem and the roots and the leaves and make it into all kinds of things like powders and teas, they have creams, there's pills. Um, It's been used for centuries as an herbal medicine. Um, This tea is actually caffeine free, but it's rich in all kinds of vitamins like A, B, C, and K. Um, But it's deemed as an overall joint health aid. 
And it also helps with several other things like um, urinary tract health, um, arthritis. It lowers blood sugar. It's high in a plant chemical they call polyphenols, which research suggests is a powerful compound that may help prevent and manage chronic diseases related to inflammation, like diabetes, obesity, cancer. And in the cancer, it has an emphasis on like breast cancer and prostate cancer um, and also heart disease. So there's really potent oxidants in nettle um, that have also helped aging uh huh, and cell damage. So go get some nettle tea if you're trying to reverse aging. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I don't know if it reverses aging, but I'm sure it helps with it in some way by protecting your cells. Um, but it's also purifying to the blood. It drives out toxins and, you know, so get some. Try it out. See if you like it. The taste is very earthy. It's very good. I love it. Put a little honey in it. But, you know, always check with your doctor because sometimes even organic foods can interact with medications you may be taking for another ailment. Um, and they'll interact poorly. So you always want to check and then start with just a cup because you can still be allergic to natural teas and stuff like that. I know my aunt who is, um, she's a three-time breast cancer overcomer and survivor. She just uh, not too long ago found out that turmeric um, interacts poorly with her chemo pills. So she can't take those. Um, with she can't have turmeric with her chemo pills who knew but you know and I know you know that grapefruit has is like no bueno for some medications it affects how they work and it can hinder their effects so always check with your doctor if you're going to eat some grapefruit grapefruit and you're taking any kind of um, medications so that's the end of Shahara's Organica not quite Britannica, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, okay, so it's tea time on the podcast today. So on the last episode you guys listened to, and if you haven't listened to it, it's called The Switch. Um, it was hosted by my phenomenal husband. I love you, babe. Um, I spoke quite a bit about my journey into deeper relationship with Jesus, the man, like where I started. And um, just how I came to love and appreciate who it is written he was. You know, you may have heard someone say, WWJD, or what would Jesus do? As they, you know, think about a specific issue or a situation. Um, but what I like to ask myself and what I often ask myself is W-D-J-D. Whoa, that's a tongue twister. Say that fast 25 times. W-D-J-D. What did Jesus do? Because here's the thing. It is written. You know, this is how I fell in alignment at a very elemental level with just who Jesus was as a man. And again, like, and then you impose the fact and the truth that he is also God. But I just want to talk about the man that I, you know, fell in love with. I, I spoke about uh, the book of John last time and how it wooed me and it just taught me about his character. And ultimately about God's character. You know, I've experienced firsthand and through the eyes of others 
um, experiences, the conf- the confirmation, the constant um, understanding and witness of his character and the love, the wisdom and humility and the power that it is written that Jesus was as a man. So, you know, what I saw in this book um, was that he was just so loving and accepting and inclusive. Like, he didn't exclude anyone from wanting to be in relationship with him. He was open to anyone who didn't look like him, who didn't come from where he came from. As a matter of fact, the people from where he came rejected him because they just couldn't accept that, you know, little Jesus had grown up and was actually wielding the power of God because he embodied God. You know, they were like, you? A miracle? You just marrying Joseph's boy. Like, how are you going to be anything to me? Change me, you know? (laughs) Boy, bye. (laughs) But I mean, of course, that's the SW translation. But I mean, seriously, they were so dismissive. The book says he couldn't do many miracles there. And man, have you ever felt like that? Dismissed by your own family or people close to you, people you grew up with. They don't respect or you're not taken seriously for who you are today. But you're always reminded of who you were then. You're never honored for what you carry or how you show up healed and changed today. They want to keep you at five years old and you're nearly 112 years old. Like, seriously, I can relate to that. You know, he said a prophet is not honored in their own in their own hometown. And um, but again, what did he do? He simply accepted the fact of how he was treated and not received. He created a boundary and that was it. He showed us how to handle situations in our life that would come up similar to that. You know, he didn't go off on people. He wasn't cussing nobody out. He didn't, you know, he just, he created a boundary. He understood, he accepted. And I often think, you know, it must have hurt him to a degree, but he couldn't allow that distraction to make him deviate from his mission. Of course, we want to help the ones closest to us, you know, that look like us and sound like what we know is home. But sometimes we must accept the tea, the truth, and create a boundary because they are, boundaries are healthy, um, and, and just stick to the mission of our life. They can't always be empowered to distract us so much that we go off course. And sometimes we, we try so hard to be accepted and like show people like, this is what I'm doing now, you know, promote what I do or support what I do. And they just, they just, they just don't have, they don't have the, the tools to do that. So we got to accept it and create those healthy boundaries that we need for ourselves to protect our hearts, protect our mind and, and ultimately protect our mission and keep going and keep it pushing and love them from a a different place, you know? But I see him also, like, I see him encountering a woman, okay? We all know the story of the adulterous woman. So this is a woman being shamed because somehow, some way, she was caught in what they were calling adultery, okay? First off, when I get to a certain place, y'all know what I'm talking about. I need the entirety of that story. I need to know the truth. I want it told to me like a Netflix docu-pick. I mean, seriously, I have questions, y'all. Like, how exactly did you catch her in the act? Was she having tea and a croissant with someone at a cafe? Or was it deeper, more um, like 
involved than that, you know, because the way y'all ran up to Jesus telling him and that there was more than one of like, there's multiple people bringing her. They brought her, you know, just the picture in my mind is y'all saw something that you weren't exactly ready for (laughs) an entanglement, perhaps. I mean, I don't know, but I want the tea. So remember that when I get there. But what I see in that moment, you know, not only do I see this woman and the situation, the way it's painted in this book. And I told you guys, like the very first time I read things like they're a novel in the Bible sometimes because I don't have the understanding and I'm open to just getting the characters down. I want to see the scene. I want to get context. And then I can dive in further and, you know, look at the culture of the day and I can look at other things. So just looking at it, you know, just reading it through, I see what I, what I really see in that, um, in that moment with this woman who's being shamed and publicly humiliated and like, seriously, they're busting her out. Like I see is a moment from in myself, you know, when I've been accused of involvements or I've made bad decisions and I, you know, they weren't honoring to me. And, and I've been in these situations where, you know, I felt just like that. Um, and and just the one who created me, that he was there. Like, what did he do in this situation? He told them. He told them basically to look in the mirror. And when they see they have no blemishes on their life, no mistakes or involvements or their own entanglements that that were, you know, less than honoring and life-giving. Once they see that and they once they saw that and they saw that they were pristine and perfect, then they could give her a beat down. That's what he said, basically. Again, that's my version of it. Um, and Jesus was not even like, he wasn't, he didn't do what we do. He wasn't like, say what? She did what? And then what happened? Like, he wasn't even gauging them like that. He was like, oh, girl, you nasty and you going to hell. Like, he didn't, he could have said that. You know, he didn't do that. He never even looked up to verify the look of lust or the scent of shame or the wrongdoing that was upon her. He didn't engage what they were trying to say she was. He dealt directly with her accusers. He spoke to them directly. And it wasn't until once he threw that gauntlet out, like, okay, you know, the first one who's without sin, cast the first stone, like he he drops his gauntlet, right? And they all like to start leaving from the oldest, which has been the longest living person and probably has the most, you know, situations that he can call as not life giving. They all start leaving. And it wasn't until then that Jesus stood and addressed her. And how did he address her? He addressed her with love and compassion. And he asked her, where'd they go? Basically, like, where's everybody? And she's like, oh, oh no, Jesus, oh, you know, oh no, I'm just, I'm just here with you now. But imagine how she was feeling right then in that moment, you know, the embarrassment and the shame and the fear. Like he's supposed to be the guy, like the guy, like what? He tended to her with love. He saved her life with his presence. And he told her, just go and stop this. Don't do it anymore and go on. You know, like he knew that after this public humiliation, she probably would change her ways, but he gave her another chance. Like, wow, 
so many people don't give us another chance. They don't give us a second chance or they're continually like reminding you of in some way. And it's not always what they say. Sometimes it's how they treat you or they exclude you or they, you know, they're just always constantly reminding you of who you were or what you've done back way back and not really looking at or investigating or even trying to get to know the you that you are now. And I just feel like, you know, in this moment, Jesus is just like, hey, you know, everybody's got something. Um, after this moment, I'm sure you're not going to do this again. Just don't do not do it anymore and go on. You know, you're forgiven. Um, but he did it lovingly and compassionately without shaming her. He didn't add, you know, to or further in, in ignite what was going on in that moment for her. And I just see that so many times throughout this book um, of John and many others in the New Testament. You know, I saw him as being in the company of people that were not upstanding, but he allowed them access to him because he knew who he was and what he was here to do could change their lives for the best. You know, he wasn't stingy with his wisdom and he nurtured uh, when it was needed and he fed when souls were hungry and he was not a party pooper. I mean, come on. He turned plain old water that they had in abundance into the best, rarest, most expensive wine to keep the party going. And that he did against his desire to keep the power that he was concealing. I mean, the power that he was concealed before, you know, it wasn't time for it to be revealed yet. So, I mean, what's not to love about this guy? I love wine. I hope when I meet him face to face that they have a couple barrels of that particular wine. I mean, it had to be special because they told us about it that um, so I can get a thief sampler of and only my wine lovers will know what that term is. Thief sampler is actually an instrument. So don't get all religiosity on me. Um, But (laughs) what did Jesus do? You know, W-D-J-D. He facilitated joy in that moment. But he stayed focused on his mission in the face of all distractions and those he could bring along, he did. And others he had to watch walk away, and he was okay with it. He probably was grieved. I'm sure he was grieved, but he wasn't belligerent or belittling to the people that, hey, you know what? They're not ready for it right now. You know, maybe after I'm gone, the others that are out here are going to be, you know, talking to folks about what I did. Maybe they can catch them and bring them along. But, you know, he was tempted by the greatest of evil and the way he handled it. He didn't become frazzled or fearful. Um, He didn't act out. You know, a lot of things we do when we're acting crazy, when we're talking, we're yelling at people or we're acting a certain way. We're acting out of fear, a place of fear. And he's facing the greatest evil that there is and he he maintains his composure he he knows who he was man if we could just remember who we are when we're facing you know temptation when we're facing these kind of things and these kind of people like just remember who you are and who's on your side you know um he he it was just written he said it's it is written he remembered who he was and he remembered what the truth was like He simply told the truth to the evil temptation and it was plain and simple. He, he, he gave evil the tea. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You guys, Jesus gave the devil the tea. Put that on a shirt. Anyway. So he gave him, (laughs) he gave him the truth 
And, you know, when his friend died, he cried. Like, he hurt. He didn't suppress. He didn't medicate with external things. He simply allowed the natural emotions inside of him to have a place, to have a sound, you know. He protected his father's house. And that's when he exercised some power, you know, through righteous indignation. You know, he he turned those tables over. Because what we're not going to do is defile the temple and pimp it out basically is where he was coming from again that's how I see it that's how I translate it but you know I feel the same way about my own earthly father we're not going to pimp him out you know Um, I pray my children feel that way about me that they would protect me and become indignant when someone tries to mock me or or hurt me or um, use me or, or portray me as something other than what I am that they would you know not physically just the support you know, he's taught it. He just, he's taught us so much. And I just saw all of this. There's just so much I learned from him about love and loving those that don't love me. And again, with boundaries, boundaries are healthy, giving access to the places that are life giving and the people who are life bearing with me. You know, they hurt when I hurt. They love me through some very dark, embarrassing moments and situations. Um, and they're ready to celebrate with me for no other reason but because our connection and our relationship, you know, they have no agenda. Um, they advocate for me, even if sometimes they have to advocate against a wrong thought or an idea that I may have to show me a more excellent way and to illuminate the tea, the truth that's inside me and over my life. He showed me how to, how to choose these people and allow these people access in my life, you know, um, this is what getting to know Jesus has done for me as I read about him. He allowed me to exhale without rules to make me feel pressure and anxiety. You know something? Um, there's a book called Matthew. Some of you are familiar with. Some of you aren't. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. Okay, so in Matthew, there's these verses in chapter 11. And they get quoted often because they are powerful ones to live by. But I told y'all last week that I read many translations for comprehensive understanding, many, many translations. Um, In the Passion Translation, did you know that in verses 28 through 30, these very popular verses that get quoted all the time, um, Jesus is talking, and this is how how he says it according to the Passion Translation. It says, are you weary? Are you weary carrying a a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Like, first of all, have you ever felt like you were in a dry season, like a desert, deserted, alone, barren, like starving and just dry? I know I have. (laughs) So he's going to be my oasis. That just gives me such a beautiful picture right there. And then it goes on to say, simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Again, now that's the Passion Translation. But when I read this translation and I just, I just soaked that in for a minute. Like, whoa, what? Wait, wow, like what? Seriously, because I've been in places where people have made it very different. They've made it sound very different than what he simply says right there. 
Um, there are many in the body of Christ who make serving and volunteering and ultimately what they see as walking out this tea truth with Jesus difficult and exhausting. Um, it's heavily laden with much responsibility and taking on more than the hours of a day has, right? And then, you know, you get promoted if you do it their way. And in essence, you, you get punished if you don't. But that's not what Jesus wants for us. He says it's going to be easy, easy to follow him. And he's gentle and he's humble and he's easy to please. That all he requires of us will be pleasant and easy to bear. Like it just saddens me so much that what is keeping many from even seeking an understanding of Jesus the man is people who claim to be in relationship with him already but don't have the resin you know, the residual, the residue of that visible on their heart and their dealings with others. Like Jesus was inclusive, inclusive of people that were not even from the place where he came from. They didn't have the same belief systems. They were, you know, and that was forbidden back then. Like you didn't cross over, but he wasn't divisive at all. He didn't hate someone who didn't accept what he believed or who he was or his mission. He didn't, you know, make it his mission to then do them wrong or to exclude them or talk bad about them. I mean, guys, what are we doing? You know, he gave second chances. He allowed people that were riddled with disease. And that was thought to, you know, contaminate not only what, what they touch, but who they touch. He allowed those people to touch him. Why? Because he knew the tea the truth. He knew the truth. He was the truth. Like, how can I not love a man that walked out his life like this? He's taught me so much and continues to teach me daily, like work in me. And he, he teaches me to love better with boundaries. But, you know, when there's something even that I'm facing that I don't want to do, and I'm in my own garden of agony, you know, being pressed the Garden of, of Gethsemane was, um, actually it translates in the Hebrew and in the Greek as oil press. Um, and so he's taught me when I'm in those moments, like that I need to pray and I need to submit and therefore exchange my will for the only power and will on this earth that can bring me through anything I'm facing. He taught me that because he walked through it. He had that moment. He taught me to pray, just simple prayers. He taught me how to push away from distracting things for a period of time and fill my spirit up with what will sustain me and produce more out of me. These things that are, that are you know, life-getting, giving, and the things that truly matter. And he taught me because he did it first, all of this. He taught me about boundaries and running to a God with everything at any time, like anything and everything I can bring, you know, and he taught me also to resist what harms me, what it means to be humble, what it means to wield spiritual power and why I should forgive, you know, and, and the way that he does it is he is the example. He doesn't just tell us to do something. He doesn't just dictate something, um, you know, and I'm just so sorry that we've made many who are in this world today, um, we have, we have many that are in this world today claiming to be a friend and in relationship with this Jesus, but I've made it 
so, I don't know, so difficult and made it so that so many people just, they want nothing to do with him or anyone in his family. You know, we got to do better. I sit with a lot of people that tell me stories about how, you know, they don't like going to church or, you know, they feel a certain type of way because of things that they're still working out within their lives that they're pushed away or they're frowned upon or shamed or humiliated for, you know, not being perfect. And, you know, I'm just, it just saddens me deeply. You know, he, he wasn't about that. And I pray that, you know, when you encounter a person or um, you, you get to experience someone, I pray that you see Jesus or the light because he says we are all the light that are in relationship with him, you know. I pray that you get to see the light or see Jesus in them before they ever tell you that they are in relationship with Jesus. That you're able to gauge their relationship and knowledge of Jesus by their heart, you know, by their humility or their spiritual fruits which are love in all its varied expressions, joy, their patience, their kindness, their goodness, their faith, their gentleness, and this is a big one, their self-control. You know, and that and 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 self-control like people on Facebook that are uh, it's just it's so much or on 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 social media, sorry, not just Facebook, but social media places that are claiming to be Lovers and in relationship with Jesus and lovers of God and letting God live in their, live their, uh, lead their lives. But they're not practicing self-control when they're arguing over their political um, candidate that they support. You're not practicing self-control when you're hating on the one that you don't support. Come on, guys, we got to do better. You know, that when you encounter anyone, and also, you know, also, yeah, when you encounter anyone who's not fully producing the fruit, that you pray for them and that you're patient with them. You know, some people are walking lifestyles that are what are called alternative, okay, which means they're a little bit different than what your norm or your standard is. That's not a place for you to, to run from them, shame them, accuse them. How about just being patient and loving them? because your 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 uh, personalities are in alignment. You might be in that person's life for a reason. Don't be exclusive. Don't hate. And mind your tongues, guys. Like too much of the 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 hating, you know, is 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 coming is reaching the external. I know we have a filter inside of us that can stop us. I I know I do cuz sometimes I'm guilty of all these things too, by the way. So don't don't um think I'm sitting here trying to preach because I'm perfect because I'm not but I knew I do know when I have that filter when I get to ready to respond to something and I have that little tap it's like I ain't authorize you to say that it's like oh come on tap me in coach I just want to it's going to be funny I just want to say this one thing and it's going to make them he's like nope and then sometimes he's like okay you can say that (laughs) But I still run it through my filter and I don't do it often. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, allowing God to do his work in others when it when you, you know, you can't be up there talking about how great you are and how perfect you are. And then um, using that to kind of uh, 
overshadow and project on others like you should be doing this and doing that let god do his work please you know and maybe you're a person that's going to encounter you know um the things that they're battling and you might be the answer and your answer is just loving them through it so you know the next time you experience someone who's really off the mark and you have to look and just ask yourself what did jesus do because he's given us example for what everything that we're going to ever go through and how to deal with it, how to protect ourselves and how to look, look and love forward. And I haven't even scratched the surface here with all the things that I just fell in love with about him, you know. And even when people love differently than us, we got we to gotta love them forward. And we have to be intentional about dealing with the fear that's inside of us, dealing with the, um, maybe we're upset about it, you know, dealing with the unknown. The unknown produces things out of people and they act certain ways that is just really the fear of the unknown. It's really can be harmful and damaging to others. Just slow down, you know, we can slow down and we can go back. And, and these are the things that I found when I started seeking my relationship and and just to understand my understanding came first like wow look at this guy he waited at a well for a woman who was doing really bad things she's been married a gazillion times she's currently not with someone that was hers that belonged to her she's just done all kinds of stuff and he came he went and he waited for her to come he knew she was coming he waited he wanted to have an, a personal encounter with her he wanted to have a personal moment. He sent his, his friends, his disciples, he sent them off to go on a task, and he waited for her so he can have a face-to-face -face encounter. And what did he do? He didn't yell at her. He loved her. He talked to her. He had communication, and he had communion with her. This is what made me fall in love with Jesus. And this doesn't, this doesn't say that, you know, growing up the way I have and the life I've lived... I have many friends who are Hindu, who are Buddhists, who are Sikhs, who are of different religions. They pray to different gods than I do. And they're my friends. Some are my family. And I love them dearly. And I've visited temples of different things. I've grown up with all my Jewish folks, all my Jewish peeps out there. And I've been in temples and, and, and I've been open to going to support my friend in their faith because that's what, you know, that's what their faith is. But I, I, I haven't had the encounter that I've had through those experiences out of respect to my friend because I'm loving my friend. Um, I haven't had the same experience in my heart, inside of me, the reaction and the response the way I did when I got to know who Jesus was. And I know that I, the truth of the matter is that even if I go, if I see a Buddha, some people can't even handle seeing a, a baby Buddha in someone's house, you know, and I know there are things that people are praying to. There's, there are spiritual negative um, demonic spirits on there's demonic spirits can be on anything. It can be on a piece of clothing, it can be on anything. But I know who I am and I know who I, who I walk with and I know that I'm covered and protected 
And my faith is not fickle like that to where I just see a, a little ceramic for figurine and I, in my whole spiritual life, my whole faith just is depleted. It's just destroyed and demolished. That's because I know the truth, just like Jesus could stand in the face of the greatest of evil and not spin out. He just spoke the truth, what was written. So um, I respect other people's choices to do what they need to do. And I can still be friends with them. I'm friends with people that don't agree politically how I agree. We don't have alignment there, but we have alignment in our hearts in other places. So I'm not going to completely push away someone. Now, if we get into dishonoring each other and that kind of thing, I'm not here for that. And I will create a, bo a boundary. But I just, if you guys get to know him and you, and, 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 and you um, take the time to um, just read about him as a person, and then you transpose the fact that that person is actually our, part of our creator. He's part of creation. It just hits differently, and it might make you just feel a certain kind of way. I know it makes me feel that way. So, um, yeah, that's why I love Jesus, and I respect Buddha. Buddha, I do. I respect Confucius and what they tried to teach and, and what their principles are. I respect those, you know. Um, but uh, Jesus is... is something to really encounter as a person to help you be better, see better, and do better all around. So that's my tea for today. I hope you enjoyed tea time with me. Um, may you be blessed by it and share this tea with someone you care about. You know, on this podcast, I've brought many to share their tea, their truth, and it's the truth of their life experiences. Um, with hopes that you may be inspired, um, encouraged, empowered, and knowing that there is a love and a truth available to you that will help you make it through as long as you have breath in your body, you know? And as long as you have that same breath in your body, it's not too late to just investigate what this relationship is and means, you know? You can just go into it, read these books, read the Gospels like a novel, and if you know them and you've read them and you can quote them, good for you. I'm so happy for you. And that's amazing. But maybe sometimes once in a while, step down off of what your, your knowledge and your, you know, your um, position of authority, just step down just for one time and go back and read them like a novel. And just start to fall in love with this man and how he shows you how to handle stuff when he doesn't, he doesn't trip. Like he just, he's just love. So that's my tea. I love you all. Until next time, have a great day. <laughs>